Today we're continuing in Philippians and I am going to share with you something that's called a midrash. It's a contemporary midrash. A traditional midrash was a Jewish mode of interpreting the scriptures. It engaged the words of the text, the meaning behind the text, beyond the text, and it focused on the letters, the words, and the spaces in between the words. And it uses, uses things like paraphrase, prophecy, and parable. So a contemporary midrash, um, obviously I'm not a Jewish scholar and I'm not talking about the Torah today, um, addresses itself to the potential meanings of scripture in one's present moment. So Stacey is going to read the verses you have in your hand, which was Paul's letter to the Philippians. And today I have written a letter from me to you guys. So. Philippians 1, 27 through 2, 4. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed and that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Crossroads family. So great to be with God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Fairfield County, Sunday, July 10th, 2022. We may not be the first church in Stratford or Trumbull, but we are as diverse a group of believers as those gathered in Philippi. Feel free, if you want to acknowledge this one, this is you, then go ahead. Some of us were not born anywhere near here. Some of you have called this county home your whole lives or most of your lives. Some of you have known God for many years and continue to seek Jesus. Many of you grew up in a Catholic church and you're still figuring out the differences between, <laughs> I see those hands, between those experiences and crossroads. And some of you are new to this Jesus in the center faith and are wrestling on how to do it. None of the leaders here are leading you from prison or even a far off location, but we, like Paul for the Philippians, hold a deep love and affection for all the Crossroads saints and pray continuously with joy for you, for your maturity and growth, especially in knowledge and love. Author Erwin Ince shares this thought in his book, and you can read along, The Beautiful Community. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, he makes a request of the Father. In verses 6 to 19, he prays for his disciples, particularly for those following, who followed him in his earthly ministry. But in verse 20, he begins to pray for a different group. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and loved them, even as you loved me. He, Jesus, is looking toward the future and praying for us, crossroads, the ones who believe in him. What is chief on his mind? Our unity and our love for one another. Three times in these verses he prays that we would be one, that there would be a reversal of the fragmentation that defines human life and relationships. The purpose of Christ bringing us into the glory of God is his unity. Jesus desires to see his church reflecting the unity of God. The spirit of God is given to us for this purpose. What's more, Jesus says that our unity is the evidence to the world that he is real. In other words, the church's most powerful witness to the world that Jesus is real isn't signs and wonders like miraculous healings. The world should look at the church in amazement and wonder, how did that happen? How did people with such differences come together and commit to staying together in spite of difficulty? So, our unity is the evidence to the world that Jesus is real. Amen? My endeavour, along with the other leaders is that while God purposes us here on earth, however long that should be, is to serve the saints of Crossroads. And people of Crossroads, your endeavour is to follow in our footsteps, but more importantly, the steps of Jesus. Sure, leaders are great, but circumstances change. No one knows what tomorrow will bring. As citizens of heaven, the responsibility for your spiritual growth rests with you. It is your task to use the riches you have in Christ, his overflowing grace, his unending mercy, his unconditional forgiveness, his truth and his love to fulfill your duty to live responsibly as citizens of Connecticut. I'm sure you've all heard of the cycling race that's happening right now, the Tour de France. I'm a little obsessed because this is my cousin's son right here and I watch it and I love to find him. And the way I find him is that they ride in teams of eight and they wear the exact same kit. So he rides for Team Bike Exchange and if you look at on the right, you can kind of pick out the different teams based on, on what they're wearing. Now, um, there's 176 riders and the tour has a designated referee team that watch the, all the TV footage, all the social media footage every day to make sure that the riders are riding in a manner worthy of the Tour de France and keeping respect for their individual teams. We don't get a literal Team Jesus kit. Stacy wants one. I want to make sure. It, I want to make sure it's not made out of lycra. <laughs> but we don't get this literal kit. But I urge you, live your life in a manner that brings honour to the good news of Jesus. Sometimes I think we forget the part that we play in the good news. So I'm going to give you three Instagram scrolls to remind you. Jesus came first to bring liberty from sin for all and relationship with God for all. Now God's kingdom has two realities. One, as expressed in the lives of believers. And two, the future kingdom where Jesus will come again to bring all things under his control. So whether we're here together or out in our remaining 167 hours this week, it will be clear to all that in Jesus we died to sin and were buried. In Jesus we were raised to a new way of living and we have no desire to continue to live in sin. It will be clear to all that Jesus' grace towards us is our motivation to show grace to others, working on this desire even when it's a really hard thing to do. 
Crossroads will be known as a community who is committed to the task of placing Jesus in the centre of our lives. We stand firm in this challenge. As Scott inspired us last week, we replace the American dream with God's plans for us. We encourage each other to reorder our priorities, examine where we invest our time, our money, and we share joy moments. We slow down. We strive together as one to fill our lives with truthfulness, righteousness, peace, and faith. We don't do this in our own strength or alone. We stand firm in one spirit, unity produced by the Holy Spirit. The Jesus-centered life appears upside down and inside out to many of our families and friends. They pray for us, <laughs> they dismiss us, they choose not to acknowledge our faith, and they poke fun. My nickname at home is Holy Roller. Um, adversaries will come, we may work with them, we may live next door to them, we may sit in class with them. Their criticism can easily make us feel very alone in our beliefs. We will feel intimidated, we will be opposed, we will feel crushed. We will share in Jesus' suffering in this way. We will share in Paul's suffering. We will share in the suffering of other Christians across the whole world and throughout history who have followed Jesus. But much strength and joy will be born in us as we face our antagonists without fear. We draw on the promise of our salvation and God's courage as we pull together and protect the message of Jesus. Now, I have been part of this community long enough to know the answers to these questions that I'm going to ask, but I'm going to ask them anyway. And my hope is that as I ask them and as we answer them together, we'll zoom in on the obvious need for unity and love as part of our Crossroads DNA. So I will not be offended if you nod or say amen or answer it out loud. Does being in relationship with Jesus bring you support, confidence and hope? As you have slowed down and spent time with Jesus, has he revealed himself in ways that cheer your soul? <laughs> Thank you, Jane. Have you experienced contentment in God's mercies being new every morning? In those moments when you felt at the end of your rope, has Jesus' love brought you comfort? Have you seen his love with flesh on, a meal, a phone call, a coffee, a smile, a hug extended to you by the people around you today? Do you sense the Holy Spirit gently carving out your old ways of living and revealing to you new ways of thinking and walking with Jesus? Have you witnessed the work of the Holy Spirit as you've lifted each other up in prayer? Do you know that people are genuinely happy to be with you even in the midst of pain and troubles? Yes. As you nod in agreement, keep nodding and make my day as we look at some of the non-negotiables of life with Jesus in the centre at Crossroads community, Crossroads community. First of all, we must agree on our mission. We love God and love others. I implore you to adopt a disposition that fosters unity in this pursuit. This does not mean that we'll be in agreement of opinion on politics or doctrine and definitely not sports teams. There will be evident differences in all facets of our lives and that's okay. Our goal is not to be a group who look like, dress alike and talk alike. This will mean that we will probably have some very difficult conversations about things we disagree on to reach solutions. I've had these conversations and I'm sure many of you have and it's really hard to resist this current trend to provoke, um, to throw punches with our words. But I'm going to quote two very wise people whose names I think you'll recognise. David Carlson said, 
to this community. One thing that helps us get over obstacles in seeing the other person is to look at them as our own people. When we see people we disagree with as them, they become enemies. When we see the other as our people, then our entire attitude shifts. And then Marty spoke just a week ago, lately I'm trying to reach out to people that don't even share the same interests at all. It's a big job. But the key part to meeting these people is really listening to them. Fragmentation is not God's story, but it does tell humanity's story. And there is polarization in every category of human community at the moment. So let's commit to telling God's story in our community. Next, we must love each other. Regardless of our differences in age or ethnicity or background, love is the binding glue when it's expressed in compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience and forgiveness, especially when there is unintended hurt. Love like Jesus. If you are not sure what that looks like, I suggest spending some time in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the first few uh, four books of the New Testament, and just see how Jesus loved people. We must become deep-spirited friends, friends who lay down worldly attitudes, actions and philosophy and together search out Jesus' way of thinking, friends who together listen for the whispers of the Holy Spirit to keep our minds pure, righteous, holy, honourable, faithful and truthful. We need to be without judgement as we're authentic with one another about our struggles and cheer and support each other on when we try new things like first word of the day and last word of the day or when we download Lectico Divino and we can't say it and it says 365 days and we get to day three and we forget. We need to encourage each other when we say, I'm really scared to sit in silence with Jesus. God didn't put us here on earth to live for ourselves and to be incessantly entertained by others. I don't know if anyone else is struggling with social media in their household or their lives, but the conditions of the last past two years have made it easier for us to obsess over ourselves. Our thinking patterns have been altered. During this time, we did not, however, cease to be members of one body, each member belonging to the others. So live in a way that equally values each and every part of the body. Don't push your way to the front. Don't try to impress. It's not only your comfort and pleasure that is to be considered. The math behind us all looking out for each other equals way more care and attention than we can ever just give ourselves. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us and Jesus calls us to use these gifts to give glory and honour to him and to strengthen the body of his people by how we live our lives. By refusing to place self as number one priority, we as a community function as a forward-facing mirror for the world. People will look at the church and get a glimpse of where Jesus' redemptive plan is heading. So not to sound stuck on repeat, but Jesus Christ, who exemplifies how we are to live as believers, modelled this humble, selfless love in everything he did. Humility raises everyone up. We look around and we see our friends and opponents alike as deserving of tolerance and generosity, no less than ourselves. Humility allows us to learn from and serve the youngest child to the oldest adult amongst us. Humility grows a desire to build up and benefit other believers. Humility allows us to count the cost of discipleship. It loosens our grip on preferences that have become idols in our lives. And humility promotes a profound interest and concern for others. Connection is why we're all here and we're hardwired to connect with others. 
and it's what gives us purpose and meaning in our lives and without it there is suffering. I want to take a moment just to encourage us up in one area of community and that is that as we break on a Sunday and we're together or any other time we're together after service take a moment to look around and find the people that you see need a moment of connection. Be bold. I know we're not all wired like this, but make the first person you speak to someone you might not know or someone you might not normally talk with. Just start by introducing yourself. Share a joy moment from your week. Share a tough moment from your week. Share a prayer prayer need. As we keep our eyes and hearts open, we discover new opportunities to bear one another's burdens in prayer and in practical ways. We all have different capabilities to include others' needs in our weekly plans, but for our community to fill our mission of loving others, we need to start with the people that are sitting around us. A muscle flexed grows stronger. When God declares in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image after our likeness, he is deciding to make us in his image, not only as individuals. We are his image as a mutual, loving, honouring and supporting community. And we glorify him when we do this. So I'm going to finish with uh, another quote from the book that I started from, A Beautiful Community. And it starts with following Jesus' lead, which is verse 5 of Philippians 2. Next week, don't miss next week. It is, it's, it's a beautiful part of Philippians. Following Jesus' lead enables us to keep our eyes open and live for beauty right now. Doing so enables us to actively resist the polarization that has been present in the church in America from the beginning. We celebrate the fact that the triune God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who exists in eternal beauty and glory, refused to turn his eyes away from the darkness of the world. So the Son left behind his beautiful communion to take on our fragility weakness and vulnerability so that he could restore us to communion with God and each other. Our great joy is in in that our pursuit of beautiful community, we are participating in the beautiful plan and purpose of our beautiful God. With love, Pastor Leanne.